fucking trailer. Thing that we from the last episode. And we're back with more Pokemon Was the opening from Dangerous Guys or Dangerous Men? Yeah. Dangerous Men. Dangerous yes. Men. Ah, Amber gets all the packages. Many packages. Uh, I love this opening so much. I, I loved that movie. It was horrible, and I loved it. John Rad. John S. Rad. I'd rather have watched John S. Rad than this week's movie, but that's fine. Uh, okay, so, uh, so, and we're back. Uh, and we're back. Act three, buddy! Act three! Act three! Yes, buddy, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pokemon Film Podcast to casually stroll our way into the third and final act of the show. And for the uninitiated among you out there, it's the third act where we finally and eventually get around to discussing our 40 original rock hits by the original artists on four records, three cassettes, or two CDs, and is not available in stores, so call now Movie of the Week! And this week... I don't know, man. It's fine. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing with Abbott and Costello. Okay. Yeah. Abbott and Costello. See, I watched a lot of stuff when I was a kid. A lot of different stuff. And a lot of that stuff has crossed over into my adulthood. You know, Star Trek, Speed Racer, Godzilla, Frankenstein, things like that. And I find that there are some things that did not cross over, and that is Elvis... Elvis didn't. Uh, Elvis movies did not make the journey. The Bowery Boys didn't make it to adulthood, and neither does Abbott and Costello. I just don't find them very interesting anymore. If Frankenstein wasn't in one of the movies, I wouldn't watch them at all. But Elvis movies were so great. Uh, let's not forget the greatest Elvis movie ever, Clambake. Clambake, yes. That song was written by Dolores Fuller. No, no, she wrote Do the Clam. Oh, she wrote Do the Clan and then not Clan Yeah, so, so, so I'm sorry Dolores did not even get the top song in that movie named Clan Bake. And then, of course, there's, there's the Elvis movie Kiss and Cousins. Yes. And a lot of people like that movie, but I like uh, the uh, sequel, uh, Sexually Harassing... Grandmas. 
the follow-up. Yeah. Which I think is better than the original. It's an Empire Strikes Back situation. I recently uh, forced my son to sit down and watch the first Star Wars movie, which I've tried to do for a long time, but I finally like, okay, we're going to sit down, we're going to watch Star Wars. And uh, I didn't fully realize, I've seen Star Wars a few times, the first one, and uh, I never fully realized how many Secondary incidental characters are badly dubbed. <laughs> like, I always, I always knew that Aunt Baru was. Because here's this, like, grizzled, stone-faced woman. Yeah. And she opens her mouth, and it's this beautiful, angelic voice that in no way came from her throat box. Yeah. But I didn't fully realize that, like, oh, now I'm watching scenes, and okay, here's Darth Vader talking to a guy in, in, walking down the corridor, holding her as dangerous. If it were this guy's power, it could generate sympathy for the rebellion in the Senate. And it's like, okay, no way that voice came from that man. Because, like, it's just a looking guy, but the voice is just holding her as dangerous. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the scaphandra could generate sympathy for the rebellion in the Senate. And it's like, also, they're definitely dubbing him because they're already dubbing Darth Vader. Yeah. And walking down the hallway, and then some fat guy comes out, and he's like, uh, two escapers were jettisoned. And it's like, oh shit, all of these people are dubbed. Basically, if you're not a star, odds are that's your voice. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. That's fascinating. I've never noticed this before. But, you know, but also consider that I, I find it kind of a genius move in a way, you know, because certainly James Earl Jones's voice was not nearly as expensive as getting James Earl Jones. Yeah. And especially yeah. James Earl Jones was fucking hot at the time. Yes. You know? Uh, so it's like, you know, like once you crack that open, then, you know, I can get better voice actors than actors. Let's just dub their voices in. Yeah. So, so much of, uh, uh, rewatching Star Wars, Wars, so much of the, like, like I couldn't get over the dub, dub and it reminded me of Manos. Yeah. It reminded me of the little girl. Maybe it was mine, maybe it was probably yours. Who knows? 
I'll give it a whirl. Okay? Because the short version is is that it's a convoluted plot that allow Abbott and Costello to do little Abbott and Costello bits scattered throughout. That's the movie. Uh, the plot was something like Abbott and Costello are two con men. And they don't seem like they're friends. Right there. Okay. Because I went online, IMDb, Wikipedia, Turner Classic Movies, and they all say the same thing. Two con men are on the way. It's like, no, uh, Adam is a con man. Costello is chasing the con man who conned him. It's not two con men. Okay. And that's kind of where I was going to say, like, they don't seem like they're friends or partners or anything like that. Yeah. Well, Costello is still a con man in his own right. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, I I think you've got a point in saying that two con men kind of implies a team and that's not what was going on here. Yeah. Now, somehow... Piss me off. Abbott owes Costello money. Yes. Which somehow he is going to get off of a bigger crook. Once Abbott gives the bigger crook Money? Yes. That Costello has? Yes. That, that he got, got from a dance, dance competition, dancing the samba, which becomes a thing throughout the entire movie. So basically, the plot of this movie is a Mobius strip that you have to follow because they're both giving each other money to get money and um yeah. and that does not really work in our current universe yeah. so i'm thinking it's like it's this movie is a hit in the first fucking dimension you know they find this funny as shit Jim Caldwell says Kissing Cousins is my favorite Elvis movie. Thank you. Thank you. I like sexually harassing grandmas, which is a follow-up. And by the way, that was another Tim Caldwell bit in the in the second break as well. Nice. 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 Uh, yeah, they they run around a, a, a bit. Uh, Costello has to dance every time samba music is played. So, so samba music is his kryptonite, I guess. I don't know. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. Well, uh, I, it, yeah, the plot's kind of convoluted, and I think I have pinpointed why. So, um, this 1948 Adam Costello comedy, yes, with with finger quotes, 
um, is based on a Cole Porter musical that I hope to never have to sit through. Okay. Apparently in the 1930s, Cole Porter had smashed Broadway hit musicals that then had smash hit songs in them, like Anything Goes. And I didn't realize this. I Get a Kick Out of You was a 1930s Cole Porter song. I didn't realize Cole Porter had written that for a play. I never, I, I always just assumed that Frank Sinatra was amazing, but no, that's, that's from a Cole Porter musical. My, my mind immediately went to Cleavon Little. Just saying. Nice. Okay. So then in the 1940s, uh, Cole Porter had less success. He had uh, fairly successful, I wouldn't say smash hits, but pretty big hits with Panama Hattie, Let's Face It, Something for the Boys, and Mexican Hayride. But unlike the 1930s, all of his successful plays in the 1940s no big hit songs at all. Yeah. He was not, he was no longer, so when people went to go see Max and Hayride, the musical on Broadway, people would say, it's a great musical, but there's no great music in it. Okay. Which is difficult for a musical. So it's sort of, there were no hit songs. There was no big hit song in the musical. So basically it was Joseph's Technicolor dream coat of its day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I love the Elvis part in Joseph's dream coat. The Elvis part is amazing because he goes to the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh is like an Elvis impersonator. So, uh, it tracks that when Universal said, we're going to get this Cole Porter musical and make it into a movie. First step, get rid of the music. <laughs> so that's what this movie is. It's a musical without music. Okay. Which, which in, in my mind, I have the hardest time with. Because it's like no one goes and, and sees Greece and says... God, can you guys stop fucking singing? I want to learn more about their relationship. You know, like, no one says that about... One thing I have to give this movie... Okay, I really have to give it credit here. The opening was so great in that it was so direct to the point, and here's the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you, yeah. Yeah, like seven minutes in, and you already know who Adam Costello are playing, what their relationship is, the you know the bullfighter. It's just like like the first seven minutes is just buckle up for some exposition up your ass. Yeah. It's incredible. Starting with just like hand that guy your badge. And there we go. And he just looks at the badge. American police. And there we go. <laughs> uh, another fun fact. Uh, Costello's brother, Pat, was a stuntman. And he's one of the cops. 
okay. for Costello in the movie, and there are one or two scenes where they're right next to each other, and it's like, yeah, the, one of the cops looking for Costello is basically... Costello. It's really weird. Yeah, and I thought they were going to do something with that, and they never did. Because even with them both walking up, they were like, they look like fake Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like, uh, I don't... Like, I expected them to do something with it, too, and they did do something with it. But during the end, like, and riding bulls and stuff, pretty sure that's at Costello. Yeah. Doing that. Because they do look so much freaking alike. Yeah. Um, let me also give this film credit. Not for the film itself, which is, it's okay. It's fine. It's Adam Costello. There's no plot. It's just an excuse to do Abigail routines. But um, let me give this movie credit because fun fact: Abigail were such a huge thing in the 1940s that this was one of three movies of theirs that came out this year. Yeah. They released three Abigail movies in 1948. That's how freaking huge they were. So. Uh, the first film which came out in 1948, in the beginning of 1948, was a film called The New Sang Sai, which they did outside of Universal. So they were under contract to Universal, but they renegotiated their contract so that once a year they were allowed to do a movie outside of Universal. So Universal said, hey, we've got this great comedy, and you guys are going to love it, and it's going to be a big hit, and it's called The New Sang Sai, and here's the script. And so Adam Costello took the script and just said, okay, we will be making this without you. On our own. Fuck you, Universal. And Universal said, hey, you can't do your goddamn contract. Okay, fine, do it. Let's see how much you're over budget. But, oh my God. So they struck and so they didn't, they just took the script and said, and they're doing this on our own without Universal. They made it themselves. The film was budgeted at $652,000, but it came in $42,000 under budget. Yeah. Which at the time was sort of astounding. They're like, hey, we're doing uh, this episode movie, and oh, look at this, it's $80,000 over. Like, okay, that's expected, but for them to be $42,000 under when they're making their first movie on their own, Universal, that's astounding. So that came out first. Then in June, Universal released another, an Adam Costello movie that you may have heard of, Adam Costello meet Frankenstein. Yes. That came out in June of 2018, which was a huge hit. It cost $792,000 to make in 1948 and made over $3 million, which is huge for 1948. So Adam and Costello were riding high. And then December, this comes out. Slightly less high. Yes. Uh, okay, now this movie is out. It's fine. The plot is amazing, and it's a musical about music. I don't know, the whole thing just feels real weak sauce, you know? Yeah. 
It's weak sauce. I got the glow. I got the glow coming in. It's a little bit later because of uh, daylight savings time, so my beautiful glow, which happens at a specific part of the show, is now an hour later. Yes, it is. Actually, made. But it is coming in. We actually made the show an hour longer just to get the glow. <laughs> so it worked. Here's another weird fun fact. Costello, when he was younger, he was a huge uh, high school sports star. Yeah. He was considered like a basketball prodigy, and people thought he could go professional, but he just went in a different path with his life. So in 1945... Let's, let's, let's be honest. He took the path of donuts. Yeah. But here's the thing. In 1945, he did a movie called Here Come the Coeds. And in that movie, he has to pretend to be a woman to help a girl's basketball team win the championship out of the regionals, whatever. Uh, so he's dressed in like a wig and he's doing basketball and all that. And the whole thing is, he has to do all of these crazy trick shots. And they're like, oh, we're going to need to get a professional basketball player, a stuntman. And Costello's like, I got this. Yeah. And so he did all the crazy trick shots in the movie on his own. And some of them are pretty impressive. I didn't watch the entire movie, Here Come the Coeds, but apparently Here Come the Coeds was such a hit that Coronet Films, the, like, educational company that would make the, like, educational films for schools, yeah. they released, like, an eight-minute abridged version for, like, schools and classrooms and meetings and stuff. So it's like the movie Here Come the Coeds edited down to a cartoon-sized video. Yeah. I found that on YouTube. And, yeah, no, he does some pretty impressive trick shots for being the fat one in Adam Cassell. Like, good for yeah. you. You're, you're a pretty damn good basketball player. <laughs> like, my dream basketball game now is Costello versus Prince. Yeah. Greatest basketball game of all time. <laughs> I learned a lot about Luke Costello, but I'm saving a lot of it, like especially the tragic stuff, because that might be that. I might save that for a chap. Okay. Like a yeah, because we do need to cover it. He was quite the controversial figure, to say the least. Yeah. So, so that, to say the most. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if I review this movie. Mostly harmless. Okay. That's what I would give Mexican Hayride. Mostly harmless. Yes. There's nothing wildly upsetting about it. Mostly harmless. It's fine. It's, yeah. Yeah, if you're still into the Abbott and Costello, there's a lot of Abbott and Costello shtick. Uh... Uh, I, I just find it kind of annoying now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Understandable. So, so, so that's all I've got for this week's movie. Um, it wasn't the funnest movie in the world. Yes. 
so I was gonna, I was gonna for next week hit you with something really bad, but I found that watching this over and over again and trying to understand the convoluted plot and yada 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 and and uh, Abbott tricked Costello into thinking he had oil in his backyard. So Abbott tricks Costello into selling stocks, which aren't real because he doesn't have oil. So Abbott set up Costello and ran off with the money, and now people are after Costello because they think he's a crook. So Costello runs to Mexico to find Abbott who ripped him off, but they both get entangled in a big mess. And it, it's really, it, it was a slob to have to watch this more than once. <laughs> yes. To try and figure out anything from uh, 1940s and then talking fast theater. So I wanted to, to, at the last second, I decided to do something to go in a different route. So next week, for the podcast, we will be watching a new movie. Okay. That just recently came out. Uh, sadly, I was really excited to see this in theaters in 2020. Instead, they just eked it out. They yeah. they they dribbled it out into uh, streaming services and digital as a digital release like uh, a month ago. And, and that's, that's a damn shame, because this film is one of those movies, like, like we've done before on the podcast, where it's like, this summer, the world's, the funniest comedy in the world is sitting in theaters. Everyone's going to love it. It's going to be a smash hit. Everyone's going to love biggest box office draw of the summer, Hot Rod. <laughs> okay. And then people go to it and it's like, this is a weird, bizarre movie. You really thought this was going to be a hit? This is weird as fuck. So next, we're watching the brand new Kristen Wiig movie, Bard and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. I watched this. Okay. I watched this like a couple of weeks ago at midnight and I was a little bit high and I was bored and I'm like, I'm gonna put this movie on. I am in love with this movie. Yeah. I am in love with everything about this movie. Have you ever have you ever made yourself a suicide money? Do what? Have you ever made yourself a suicide? Made myself a suicide. That's when you go to like Circle Gate or 7-Eleven or McDonald's or Burger King, you're getting yourself a drink, and then you just go. Okay. Everything, go. That's yeah, suicide. It went in the way different direction. No, no, no. That drink is known as a suicide. That's important to Barb Stargo of Vista Del Mar. I'm glad we had this conversation. Okay. I love this movie. It is really stupid. And you know who's in it? Christian Grey from the movie uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. And at first I was like, ew, fucking Christian Grey from Fifty Shades of Grey is in this movie. But it makes so much sense to the movie 
And two, who bartered Star are as people that he would be in this and the part that he is? It's a wonderful film, and Richard Cheese is in it, though, I'm saying, for some reason. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite movies right now, and I'm really excited for us to watch it and talk about it next week on the podcast. But that's next week. We're also talking about Canadian Wolves. Don't forget that next week. Canadian Wolves. Big deal. Okay. Uh, oh, and next week, I'm glad that we didn't mention it once. Next week, we'll be talking about um, the Norman High School girls basketball team. Okay. Very yes. excited. Uh, very excited to talk about that. Very excited that we didn't talk about this week. So I can say it for next week. But now that I'm looking back at this week, oh man, the highs, the lows, the ups, and the downs. Bill Gates, smooth jazzercise, um, cow tools. Cow tools. That is legit my new all-the-time catchphrase for whenever anything is confusing. I've already started the using mailman. it around. I've already started using it around the house. Bella came up to uh, Natasha and I during the break, and I just went, "Bella is cow tools." Am I right? Like, like that's my that is perfectly my new thing. Like, like things I don't understand is cow tools. You know, sometimes my kids are cow tools. Sometimes, especially my two oldest. Oh man, sometimes they're old and they're just cow tools. Sometimes they're just cow tools. Family is my parents are cow tools. <laughs> but uh, uh, I gotta say, now that we're here at the end, you know, looking back on this, the episode, I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty, 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 pretty good episode. This has been a damn good episode. Okay, yes, I agree. Agree with your assessment. Good sir, but anyway, that was your. You make that decision. You're the one who gives the show a rating at the end of the show. And I know I'll step on your toes because I respect your boundaries, personal space. Yes. But yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. <laughs> so until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Stevens on behalf of Natasha and Eleanor and Bella and Maxwell and everybody else. I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. Thank you.